Hello, and welcome to the WWIA podcast. We're honored to have you join us in our mission to bring honor, connection, and healing to America's combat-wounded Purple Heart heroes. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, we welcome you. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Please be sure to tell others about our podcast and leave us a review if you're enjoying what you're hearing. We love introducing you to some of the remarkable people that are part of our WWIA friends, family, and support network. We've had the honor of meeting and forming lasting relationships with so many outstanding American patriots who selflessly give of their time, talents, charitable donations, and life experiences. We could not accomplish and expand our mission without them. Today, WWIA founder and CEO John McDaniel welcomes another one of these exceptional people to the WWIA podcast. Mr. Audie Rock Murphy is host of the Murphy Family and Friends Mississippi Hog Hunt. Audie is an amazing man who's lived an eclectic life. He's a proud husband to his wife, Joni, and father to five children. An Army and Air Force veteran, he retired from the armed services in 1996 and then went on to serve as a police officer for 15 years and also served as a firearms instructor for the United States Navy. In addition to hosting an annual WWIA event for the past 11 years, Audie currently co-owns and operates with his brother Ray, Quiet Professionals Defensive Firearms Training, a Mississippi State certified business where he instructs and leads an enhanced concealed carry course. In Audie's downtime, you can usually find him in the field, on the water, or enjoying time with friends and family at Dan B's, a Murphy family-owned restaurant and bar in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, and a longtime supporter of WWIA. Without further ado, let's join John and Audie now. All right. Hi, I'm John McDaniel. I'm the founder and CEO of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation, and this is our podcast, Honor, Connect, and Heal. So today, I'm uh, uh, I'm super happy to have a person on that uh, who I admire a great deal, who's done amazing work for the foundation for uh, eleven going on twelve years, and um, and as far as I'm concerned, he's you know one of these one of these great treasures that we find in America, a great personality, wonderful individual, and um, he's got a, a name that's suitable. Uh, for su- such a, uh, a you know an illustrious person, it's uh, Audie Rock Murphy. Welcome to the program. Thanks, John. I really appreciate you having me on. It's an honor. I really. Yeah. Well, you you know I have to tell you I can't wait to meet you in person. You know it's been eleven years. I said once upon a time that after five years I'd go visit people. You know, and and I just I just couldn't make it happen. Things got too. Too crazy, too big, too fast, and not too big, but you know, there's just growth, and I couldn't get out there. And then I said, okay, at ten years, I'm going to go see him, and here you are on eleven, and I've never, you know, my half my staffs met you, and I've never met you, so I'm living vicariously through everybody in the operations that you do to help our our combat wounded. But um, let's talk about you, right. okay? Let's that's uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll do a, a little bit of an introduction here, so. First off, you got a great name. You know, I said this morning to one of the staff members, I was like, you know, I'm I'm on a podcast with with a guy by the name of Audie Rock Murphy. Everybody just calls him Rock. 
I said, no, that's a cool name, isn't it? And they said, yeah, well, that's that. He's got he's got to be Irish. So I got to ask you, are you Irish? Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I got some of that. I you know I got some of that in me too. You know, I mean that's that's phenomenal. So. Anyway, so you you for just the wave tops here, and then we'll do a deep dive. But you, you've been supporting the foundation for uh, eleven, almost twelve years. You, you do you do a hog hunt, and and, and um, you know that's a Gulf Coast hog hunt. It's on right. its eleventh right. year. Yes. You, you do a, a salt the the salt grass lodge red fishing event that's on its seventh yeah, year that's in dearest louisiana that's an awesome event that's something that you need to try and make one day uh, i know i do i i can't wait i love red fishing that's big bull reds too right? well it's all it's anything it's slot reds it's bull reds it's black drum it's speckled trout flounder whatever bites the hook i love but it the, and that's that's yeah, it yeah but the big Go goal ahead. is you know, if you catch a bull red, that that's a big plus. You know, that's that's what everybody shoots for. When you say a big bull red, that's just a mature, that's just a big, a big mature redfish. Yeah, right? it's it's over twenty seven inches. It has to be twenty seven inches to be considered a bull red. And they're actually females. They're not males. They call them bull reds, but they're but they're females. And and once they get that size, they really want you to throw them back because they're the breeders. They're breeders. Yeah, so uh, most yeah. guys don't want you to keep them. And you can only keep, in Louisiana right. waters, you can only keep one over 27 inches. And in Mississippi waters, you can keep one over 30 inches. But we normally well, typically throw That's a throw big redfish. Unless my wife's fishing with me, she won't let me throw them back. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, on the topic of redfish, um, you know, I fancy. I don't want to say I fancy myself a good cook, but I, I do try. I've always I've always approached you know the culinary arts vis a vis game fish, in, you know, and 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 of course hunting anything that's harvested that I've harvested over the years. I've worked really hard at trying to make sure that that's prepared properly and tastes good, and and I got turned on to a redfish. Uh, a recipe for black and redfish okay. on uh, pa pa Paul Prudhomme's right, yeah. Paul Prudhomme. Yeah, he wrote a book on on and one of the recipes that he that he highlights in that book. It's a great book. You know, it's it's you know Louisiana, you know Southern style, um, you know cooking. But but the, the, his recipe for black and redfish and the method for that, if you follow that, man, it's just so good you can't stand well, it. Well, actually, you know, ironically. Uh... When he came out with that, it became so popular, they pretty much wiped the redfish population out. And so they had to put yes, in sir. all these strict regulations to try and bring them back again. So uh, that has worked mm -hmm. out good. It's come out, you know, good now. But that, that was a tough time back then because everybody wanted the redfish. But uh, I love right. doing, the, like you say, the black and redfish is probably my favorite. But also, if you do it on a half shell, if you had the, the redfish on the half shell. No, that's, what's that's that all about? That's when you fillet the one side off and you leave the scales on. Mm. So you take and you put butter and garlic and whatever spices you like. You can put lemons on it. You throw it on a hot grill with the scales down. And, uh, man, that's phenomenal. And you just cook it until it. you take a fork and you can flake it off. And uh, 
Yeah, that's got to protect that. That's got to yeah. protect that that meat, it's you know. Amazing. And so you could get it hot. Right. Yeah, just like an. I've got a big green like egg last night. You know, I did. Grill, that, you know, you just get it hot. Exactly. But uh, whatever you like on it, whatever kind of spices, it's awesome, man. Man, that sounds. Good. I'm gonna try that. Yeah, you got to. I'm, I'm definitely gonna. You could do that with any, any fish, fish, just about. Yeah. I bet, right? Yeah, but the the redfish has got the big scales, you know. So it really right. So it protects it, protects it from, from the heat. Be, you know, from being burned. You know. Right. Outstanding. But okay, so let's get back to you for a second here. Um, you, um, were I understand you were in the army, and that I did. That I I think I knew. I knew you were in the air force, but because you, you did both. But but you were you were in the in the army. You were an infantryman. Is that not that's true? That's correct. Uh, I joined in January of seventy five. Uh, of course, right at the end of the Vietnam War there. And, when I turned mm-hmm. 18, my daddy told me it was time to leave home and go join the military. So uh, that's what I did and uh, went to Fort Carson, Colorado, is where I was stationed. Uh, and I went to Fort Knox for my boot camp and then Fort Polk for my AIT and then then out to Fort Carson. So I did that for my tour, first tour. And then uh, <clears throat> it was a bad time for the Army. Yeah, I loved the Army, but the, the quality of the people at that time, the, the drugs, the, the culture, it was just a bad time. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting out of the Army, coming back home, uh, got into law enforcement, became a deputy sheriff down here. I was going to school at the University of Southern Mississippi. I got my ended up getting my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And at the same time, I went to ROTC. So when I finished college, I uh, was commissioned a second lieutenant in the Air Force. <clears throat> Good for you. And then you and then you served in the Air Force for a period of time, and then you got out as a captain. Is that true? Correct. Yeah, and I retired in 1996 as a captain. Um, I actually got caught up in uh, Bill Clinton's drawdown, and uh, I was a mm-hmm. I was a missile officer originally. I spent my first five years as an ICBM launch officer in Mount Street, Montana. Uh, in the 564 strategic missile squad. And uh, <clears throat> so after that, I um, came back home and I was in, I went to Eglin Air Force Base where I was in, mm-hmm. put in command and control. So I was the, ended up the chief of the Eglin Air Force Base Command and Control Center, but I had to compete against majors or, I mean, compete against uh, F-15 pilots for majors. So obviously, mm-hmm. I didn't get picked for majors. So. They like the pilots. They, the Air Force likes the pilots, don't oh, they? Oh yeah, yeah. If you're in a pilot wing, you got very little chance of getting promoted. You know? But uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> at that time, me and my first wife had gotten divorced, and I wanted to be close to home with the kids. So I took that mm-hmm. risk, you know. And I knew what was going to happen at the end. But I ended up getting a, a you know, I took the early retirement, but uh, I ended up retiring, you know, in '03. Hmm. So let me ask you this. So you're you're it's 1975. You're an inf, you're an infantryman, and so ground pounding an 11 Bravo in the army, right? right? In 75, in what they referred to as a hollow right. army. It's right after Vietnam, and um, yeah. So so you, 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 let me get let me guess. You were a little disenchanted with all yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the, yeah. the quality of the people. You could put your X on a piece of paper. You could serve in the military. You know, you could be an infantryman. 
and the drugs were just yeah, that was not a great time for yeah. <clears throat> no, I used to lay in my bunk at night there, you know. We was in the old mule barn barracks, you know, the old World War Two barracks at Fort Carson. Oh yeah. Three men bunks, you know, you had three bunks in the room. It was nothing to lay in the bunk at night and watch guys shoot up. Jeez. And that was common. Wow. You know. Man, things have changed. Thank God, People right? People walking around the uh, company area smoking marijuana, you know, in the open. You know, it was pretty wild, you know. Hmm. And uh, it was just not a good time, you know. Like I said, the quality of people. Well, thank thank God we got our we got ourselves through that. Now I I was I was born in '64, so '75, you know, I would have been 11. All that was, you know, and something I was completely insulated from. Obviously, um, I didn't I didn't get I I joined the the, the service eight years later after after you did. So in 19, 1983, but some of that some of that was still hanging around. Um, you know, I went to basic training in, in, in 1983 at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I remember, you know, I mean, there was, there was some of those, you know, some of that element was still hanging around. And of course, uh, you know, the rumors of it were, were still alive, meaning the rumors of what the, you know, the army right. was like back then right. post Vietnam. And then, uh, you know, they, they we we eventually we I say the country. You know, I mean, I think eventually the country and the leadership within the service branches turned that around. Right. You know, we still have an all volunteer force today, but it's the greatest military in the history of the world. Right. Full stop. You know, so uh, well that's that and that and that's great. So um, yeah. So you become an Air Force officer, and and and, and uh, we used to call them. Now, correct. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard this term, and I don't. I don't mean it to sound pejorative, <laughs> but you know, the si- si- silo jockeys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you were a missileer, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And then, and then, let's talk about. Let's talk a little bit about your career at, as a law enforcement uh, officer. Can you can you tell us about that? I mean, I'm fascinated. You spent a long time, you, you, you know, uh, the, the long blue line, right? I mean, you're, tell us about that career. Well, when I got out of the army and I came home, like, uh, I went down to the local sheriff office and <clears throat> told him I wanted to be a deputy sheriff. And my brother already worked for the sheriff's department, my brother Ray. So I went and I saw the sheriff and he asked me if I wanted to be a deputy. And I said, yes, sir. He said, raise your right hand. He swore me in. He said, you got a gun? I said, yes, sir. He said, go down there and get your uniforms and uh, your belts and all that stuff, and you're going to ride with your brother for a week. And uh, that was my training there. For the, my first job as a deputy. How cool kid. is that? You know, And I was going That's to college cool, at the same time for law enforcement, but that was my first experience as a, a police officer. You know, Where was that and physically? Where are you at that Hancock point? Hancock County, Mississippi, you know, Bay St. Louis. Bay St. Louis, and that's where you that's are where right, I'm now? At right now. Yeah. Bay St. Louis. I, 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 I gotta tell you, I love that part of the country. Yeah. I, re- I genuinely do. That whole Gulf Coast region down there, you know, from you know, you can basically you look at the map. You got New Orleans, and then you start heading east, and you keep going, and all of that terrain down oh, there. Yeah, is a sportsman's paradise. Not only is it a sportsman's paradise, but the people are awesome. Yeah. The opportunities for a sportsman are awesome. And it's just beautiful. It's a great place to grow up as a kid. You know, we really had a good time. Uh, 
hanging out on the, I on bet the you beaches did. all night, you know, floundering, Fred. Dang right. You know, it was a great. It was a great way to grow up back then. Yeah, I bet it still is. I bet it. I, you know, I bet it still is. Uh, at least I hope it. it is. I, I hope mean, it it's still not. Is. It's not like it was back then. We didn't lock our front doors when we went to bed. You know? Right. But so. Right. And I wouldn't let my kids run the streets all night like we did. You know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, I was I, I was I was talking last night with a good friend of mine who's who's uh, who, who who's down here visiting old high school mate and we were reminiscing about you know growing up in the late 1970s and early 1980s and what it was like in in Oshkosh Wisconsin and the memories that we were sharing and the experiences that we that we had together uh, you know our friends and all this and we were kind of you know kind of and I could, of course I have two young boys I got an 8 and a 6 year old boy and and um you know they're being raised here uh in, in Apollo Beach and, uh, you know, their reality uh, of, you know, their snapshot of reality today in the year 2023 is dramatically different than the snapshot of my reality in, ni- in the late 1970s and early 1980s. Absolutely. And you got to, th- yeah, and you got to, I got to thinking about that. I was like, you know, but guess what? You know, my dad grew up in the, ni- if you, if you, if you reverse the tape and go in the other direction, you know, my dad grew up in the 1950s okay and i can promise you one thing for sure that whatever was happening in the 1950s you know in 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 you know uh you know lansing michigan <laughs> you know was different right. you know than what was happening in the 1970s in in you know in, in oshkosh wisconsin yeah. which is completely different than what's you know happening you know today in in 20 you know 23 in apollo beach florida you know right. it's yeah. it's all relative you know it's all it, it's all relative but but you know it those memories you know that, that that we all have from from growing up you know um especially i think if if they involve you know the outdoors and and um you know sporting activities and this idea of being um you know free right right, right? Yeah. a free spirit and it, and, and you know yeah. yeah and it wasn't about drugs it was it was about no. outdoors we were whatever we mm-hmm. were doing if we was on the water we were fishing crabbing floundering if we was in the woods we were shooting squirrels rabbits you know we weren't exactly. out there getting in trouble or doing any you know, stupid things but we were just having fun as kids, and it was just a great yep. time. Yeah, no, same, same here. You know, okay. So let me let me also say. So you you did going back to your going back to your uh, law enforcement career. How long did you did you did you wear the uniform and serve as a as a law enforcement officer? Well, I started out with the sheriff's department. <clears throat> of course, back then I was making seven hundred dollars a month, and they took taxes and hmm. retirement out of that. You know. Um, so I was with this from 79 to, I think 81, I went to Waveland Police Department right down the road. They gave me a $50 raise. So I swapped over to Waveland. And then I was there for a year and the Sheriff's Department offered me another $50 raise. So I went back to them. <laughs> and then, in, <laughs> and then in 1984, I got commissioned in the Air Force. So I, I went to, you know, back into the military. When I got out, when I retired from the military, I ended up going to Gulfport Police Department and working for them for about four years. Uh, okay. And then uh, I went, started contracting overseas, did a year in Kosovo with Blackwater, me and my brother Ray. And then I, okay. a year in uh, 
No, I was with DynCorp in Kosovo for a year. Then we ended up in Iraq, Blackwood for a year. Uh, then when I came back from that, I got, you know, back in the reserve. Worked did that five, six years or so. So uh, probably got about 12 years total active police and then six, mm-hmm. six more years or something uh, reserve. Interesting. Interesting. So when you were with Blackwater doing your thing there, I mean, were you, because uh, I know you got a, you've got a company now, you're a co-owner of a company called Quiet Professionals, which is a firearms training group, That's right? That's correct, yeah. We, we, teach, yeah. And we teach the enhanced carry, enhanced concealed carry class for the state of Mississippi. You know, we're certified instructors for the state. And so mm-hmm. Mississippi is one of the four states that has an enhanced carry, not just a regular carry. What does that mean? What is it? I don't, I, I, what does enhanced carry enhanced mean? Enhanced carry gives you the opportunity to carry in many more places. For instance, I can go into any school in the state of Mississippi with my weapon concealed on it. I can go to any public building in the state of Mississippi. Uh, I can go to a high school football game, a college football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go into a courthouse. I just can't go into a courtroom in session. I can go into the airport. I just can't go through TSA. So it just allows you to... It, Cuts down the amount of places that they normally can say you can't carry. If I want to go mm. to a city council meeting, I can carry it in there. They can't stop. So if it's a public building, a public facility with the enhanced carry, then you can carry your weapon. So is that a series of additional training and, and testing that that qualifies you? And I suppose you're going to get a certification or a card or correct. something that you're going to carry that says right. that that says that you have that credential. Right. It's a one day class, and it's uh, it has to be a range time in there also. So it has to be eight hours of training with the range. Basically, it's about safety. The state wants to know that you're safe with your weapon. You know how to properly use your weapon. Uh, they want you to know the concealed carry laws, where you can carry, mm-hmm. use of force, all that type of stuff. So that's what we mm-hmm. teach. Uh, and once you get that, you go, you can go back to the fleet, you know, highway patrol issues, the permits in Mississippi. So then you can get your regular mm-hmm. permit. Your regular permit is going to allow you to carry in all our reciprocal states, like 35 reciprocal states. Mm-hmm. And then with the enhanced, you can carry the additional places inside Mississippi that you couldn't carry with just a regular permit. But once mm-hmm. you have the enhanced, you can carry in all these other places. So that's what we Interesting, do. yeah. And we do other stuff. I didn't... I didn't, I didn't know that there was such a thing. I'm glad you, that, we, that, that you mentioned it, because that sounds... That sounds like... Uh, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Well, it is. You and know? I'm, thank I God mean, Mississippi's one of the few states that do. I was going to say, it. that's a state thing, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a state thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it's sad that the rest of the states don't do it. But. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you know, are you still actively involved in quiet professionals? Yes, yes. And and do you, do you have like a you know a clientele that you guys uh, you know that you guys uh, that come see you for 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 these right so to get their concealed carry permit and then other things advanced yeah, training. I do. mean, tell tell me about the enterprise. We can do if advanced training. In fact, we got a class, a regular enhanced class coming up on the first. It's next Saturday. Then we have an advanced class on the fifteenth, which is a two hundred round course, and it's a lot of shooting, mm. moving, a lot of reloading a lot of malfunction drills, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it really, really gets you familiar with your weapon. 
Excellent. So let me ask you, what what's your what's what do you prefer to carry? What what what, what model and caliber do you prefer? It depends on where I'm going. It depends on the weather. Uh, I like to gun down in the summer, and a lot of times when it's really hot, I'll go to my little 380 Glock. You know, my Glock 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the winter time, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll normally carry my Glock 43, or depending on where I'm going, I may go to a Glock my 40. I don't. Because you got a little more clothes on, on it's right. easier for you to yeah, conceal. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it all depends don't on, feel the, so. on the circumstances. Uh, but I don't leave home without my weapon. I don't go anywhere. I go to church with my weapon on. Everywhere. Except for military mm-hmm. bases. That's the only place you're really limited. You know, any federal facility. Mm-hmm. You can't go in any federal facility concealed carry permit. So. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I have to, I, you know, I have to ask you about, about your, your clients. Okay. I mean, what would you, you know, I mean, you've been doing this, how long you guys been doing this now? Well, we've we've been having the the company for about 11 years, I think. Okay. Um, All right. So, what would you say about your average client that's that that you guys are training? I mean, this is who is this? Who is this person? Uh, a lot of about half the class is normally women. A frac- wow, fraction of those have never shot that's a weapon great. in their life. Uh, and I would say nine out of ten people who come to the class really know very very little about handguns. Even if even guys who've yeah. been carrying a handgun all their life. Uh, they may carry it, they may have it, but they don't shoot it, they don't train with it. They don't, most people right. know nothing about malfunction drills, about comp, combat yeah. reloads, about shooting and moving, one hand shooting, shooting mm-hmm. behind barricades. Uh, you know, in, in our class, it's a defensive class. You know, we don't teach people to aim. We're going to teach you to point and shoot, you know, at close range. Yeah. Uh, we don't, if you want to learn to aim, that's something totally different. You know, all you got to do is put that front yeah. sight where you want to hit and pull the trigger. Well, I, I, I spent quite a bit of time in my career in the, you know, rubbing elbows with some, you know, some pretty scary dudes. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, and, and one, one of them, I won't mention, I won't mention his name, but he's got every, he's got every credential you could possibly imagine. And, um, you know, just somebody I admire a great deal, and he, he became a, a command sergeant major, and uh, you know, it was over behind the green fence, and you know, in the Ranger Regiment for a lot of his career, and all this, and and is a legend, really. Uh, is in the Ranger Hall of Fame, all this, and and he said to me one day, we were talking about you know pistol shooting and and all this, and he said. Uh, Front sight post, front sight post. My God, front sight post. And I was like, "Yep, exactly." And for those of you that don't know what that, you know, what that means, you know, we're just, you know, as Audie just says, Rock just said, you know, I mean, if you're in close quarters, you know, and and uh, you know, you're to take a home defense situation, you, you know, it's dark, you know, somebody's just entered your home, you have a pistol, you've got it in action. And, um, you know, all you really have to worry about is, is putting that front sight. sight post, you know, not, a, not necessarily aligning the rear sight post or the front sight post. Cause I think that's going to happen anyway, you, you know, plus or minus, you're right. You're going to hear a lot of that so, on our range, front sight, front sight. That's right. That's right. 
That's good stuff, right? Yeah. That's just good stuff. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you that I think the other thing, you know, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I'm, I, I don't, I don't conceal carry. I have my own personal reasons for that, but, um, you know, I, I do have, you know, I do have home defense systems. Right. I know, of course I do. Um, it, but you, you know, the one thing I think, and I don't, I'm going to ask you about this because I, I would imagine that if somebody, if I had a company like yours, Quiet Professionals firearms training group one of the things i think i would talk about um and you probably do i'm just interested in your thoughts because i run it through my head right i've had an elevated heart rate you know we all would you would absolutely would you know uh, you know if you were if somebody was just breached your home and is in your home and intends to do you harm uh or the people in your home uh to do 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 harm uh with malintent um, your 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 heart rate's going to be yeah, elevated. Absolutely. There ain't no question about absolutely. that. And so the the question is, you know, for the average person who doesn't have that amount of training, you know, how do you or hasn't had the experience, right? I mean, how do you how do you what do you teach them to keep to keep that under control as best as you can? You know, I mean, because that's a you know things are moving really slow, but they're also moving really right, fast. Right. You know, and so what would you say about that? Well, the, the bottom what we do, and we we talk about this in our class, and we we give them a class on what fear does to your body, how you're going to react mm-hmm. when you get into that situation, because it's going to happen. So we try to make people want. Just like when I worked with the Navy uh, school for six years at the Expeditionary Combat Skills Course down at Gulfport, Mississippi, at the CB base, you know, we teach this class on tacky psyche, basically what happens to your body when you get into a situation like this. And all of these things that's going to happen to you, tunnel vision, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's, it's just a whole conglomeration of things that's going to go on to you. But one thing we want them to understand is you're going to be scared and it's okay. And you've got to realize yes. you're going to get scared. Don't worry about it. But it's just getting yourself out of that and get back into the fight. So when we train and we, that's why we tell them, you know, when we're training you to scan, we're training you to scan so you can break that tunnel vision. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times on these home invasions, it's not one person coming in. It's two, three, four people. So one, you got to break that tunnel vision so you learn to scan. And then we try and mm-hmm. talk to them about gross motor skills versus fine motor skills, uh, how they handle their weapon, how they put that mag in. We, we teach them to not look at that gun when they're inserting that mag. Uh, they keep your mm-hmm. eye on the target, you know, where the bad guy is. We teach them to keep their hands close. If they got to load that mag, you got to keep your hands close to your body. Use your body as a brace because if you're shaking and you're scared, you'll never get that bullet inside that magazine. And we teach them how to load their magazine without looking at that like if it was dark. You know, I tell them, don't mm-hmm. look at your mags when you load your mags. You know, you got to load that mag without looking. you got to load that weapon without looking. Use your body as a brace every time you can. Don't use your thumb to reach up there and send that slide forward. You know, re- use your hand to grab up there. That's a gross motor skill, using that whole hand. Right. If you're scared and your hands quit working, reaching up there with that thumb is not going to work for you. And that one second is what's, you know, would it would get you in a gunfight in one second. Get you killed, right? So it's these little things yes. that we try and put in their mind and their brain that, you know, to understand mm-hmm. all of these things that's going to go on when, it, you know, when something bad happens and you get to a critical right. situation like that. So it, it's a really good class. I think it's an eye-opener for a lot of people. 
you know, we show them videos too of, of different stuff like that. Uh, one of the favorite videos I like to show uh, is that uh, what was that movie at the time? Hank's D Day when it, when they uh, uh, when I, no what what Saving Private Ryan yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he, that's a classic. Right. That opening scene exactly. when I saw that opening right. scene when it came exactly. out, my I, I, my you can't see it because we're right, on radio. Right. Or, but 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 my hands, I saw it with a I don't know if I I, I don't know who I saw I saw it with a girlfriend or something. I can't remember what, but uh, I was not prepared for that opening scene, and and my fingers were because of the sounds, right? right? right. And if you've ne if you've ever heard a bullet go right. past your head or hit hit metal right. in close proximity to right. you, you know you know what that yeah. looks. Like. I got chills right now because yeah. but I had the white knuckle death grip on the chair, right. and I didn't realize it. I was leaning forward. I was like, oh my god, yeah, that's and a seen that, that's a that, that that's auditory a, exclusion yes. that he was experiencing, you know, at that time. Like, yes, in slow, in slow motion, motion. Yes. And, and that's what goes on. It you know it. Uh, yeah, you never know. He was a already a combat veteran you know but then in this one yeah. situation he froze up and he got that auditory exclusion going on that tacky psyche and, uh and he snapped out of it, it may have sound it may have seemed like 30 seconds to him but yeah. it's really in reality just a couple seconds you know but and it's about teaching people you're going to be scared but get back into the fight mm -hmm. you know yeah uh, and that's what it's that's about. good that's good well, I can tell you just to to share, uh, you know, an experience. You know, what, the first time I was in a, uh, you know, participated in a two-way rifle range. Um, you know, the first thought that came to my mind, you know, and I was leading, I was leading, leading troops in combat, you know. But the first time that that that, that happened, when it would be, it became real, you know, mm -hmm. and and we were receiving effective fire. Um, you know, I thought to myself, I'm just going to, I don't care. I'm going to tell it, tell everybody because that's what happened. I'm thinking about it for the first time in a long time. But, you know, I remember very, very specifically thinking to myself, you know, I, I had a, I had a Vietnam style. It was a, it was a Vietnam flak vest. Okay. It was way before the ceramic plates and all the cool right. stuff we got today. <clears throat> I was wearing a Vietnam green, no camouflage you know, flak jacket that would stop a hand grenade, but it won't stop a 7.62 right. round. Promise <laughs> you that. Now the Kevlar helmet I had on my head would, and, and, uh, it, you know, it, it, at least a glancing blow, but this is my thought. This is the thought I had. I remember very specifically, I thought to myself, dude, there's no way you're going to fit your entire body inside of this flak vest or this K-pot helmet. It ain't right. going to happen. You know, that was the first thought I had was how could I turtle into this thing? And then I realized, dude, you got a job to do. Okay. So unscrew yourself right now and get at it. And, 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 and that moment, you know, it was probably a few seconds, you know, but it felt like it, you know, it, now looking back on it, getting, you know, uh, getting all into it but yeah um it was probably just a few seconds but but that was the thought that i had you know initially and you say hey was you was i scared yes exactly you're gonna be scared <laughs> yeah yes i was scared and i think everybody else was too and that's natural man how could you not be scared anybody who says they weren't exactly. scared wasn't there you know didn't have that experience it's what you do as i was teaching them, i tell my boys the other day because you know they sometimes they're doing things that they don't really want to do you know, and we, we were, we were taught, we were, you know, we, 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 you know, we say our prayers at night and, uh, 
you know, uh, one of the boys, you know, at, you know, was praying and, 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 and prayed for, for, you believe it or not, you know, to be more, to have more courage. Yeah. This is a little eight year old boy, right? Asking Jesus for, you know, a little more yeah. courage in his life, which I was not prepared for. So the next day I thought it was, I thought it was beautiful, but you know, the next day we talked about it. I said, you know, I said, buddy, you know, he's going to answer your prayers, okay? But let me tell you about courage, all right? Courage is just doing the right thing when nobody's looking, one. And courage is also doing the things that you really don't want to do, yep. you know, that nobody else is going to do or, or you know, it, you know that that that's courage, you know, and 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 we've seen a lot, you know, courage is you could put courage on a you know on a on a you know a, a diagram on, on a bell shaped curve, you know, and there's all kinds of courage, everything from simple right. courage to complex courage, you know, of course. But anyway, that's that's basically you know what it boils down to. But yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us, man. I mean, that's good stuff. I reckon there's going to be people that. Yeah, that uh, take heed and learn, have learned a lot from you uh, today and just the few things that you've said. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. That, you know, the main thing, yeah. real quick, I'd like to just, people who's going to carry a weapon, <clears throat> train with it. And I always yeah. tell people, when you go to the range, you're not going to target practice. You're going to train. You're training to fight. And you got to train exactly. multiple rounds, multiple targets. you got to shoot and move. You got to do your combat reloads. You got to do your malfunction drills. Train to fight. When you go, get out of that mindset that I'm going to target practice. That's what you right. get. You got to get people to understand. You know what helps that a lot? I think, in my opinion, is movement. Movement. You know, if you if you think about it, right? I mean, uh, what I'm taking the fight to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going on the offense. That's a mindset, man. You're you're in my house. I'm in your you know whatever's going on here. But you know we're 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 I've already committed to this thing. I'm going on the offense, and that means movement. Right. You know, and as opposed to being static, exactly. and there might be position, there might be a few opportunities, there might be a reason to go static. Okay, I get it. You know, there's never and never, and there's never right. and always. I can understand a, a you know a defensive position that makes sense where you're static and laying an ambush. I get it, but but I'm just saying generally, normally, usually. You know my who I am. I'm going on the offense. If I if that if that if that thing if that trigger gets flipped, I'm going on the offense, man. And that's that means movement. And movvement, it takes you out of that target. My you know the plinking targets mindset, right? You know, and that's what we try and tell yes. people. The more you stay there, the bigger chances you're going to get shot. You got to move. Darn you know, right. And how many mm -hmm. people practice shooting and moving? How many people Not practice shooting with their strong hand, shooting with their weak hand, or reloading with their weak hand? Uh, you know, that's right. People just they don't think about these things. And they don't spend the time. But it's hard if you only have an indoor range because they don't allow this type of stuff. So you have to have an right. outdoor range to go to to be able to really train. Indoor range or the wood line, right, the wood right. line. You, you know, right. you don't you don't got to have a range. No, exactly. You know, you can, there's plenty of right. places, but you, just you can't know, do yeah. it on the indoor no, that's range. Right. You know, they're not going to allow that's right. multiple that's rounds right. and any type of training like yeah. that. So, just got to get in that mindset. You know, get out there. Well, buddy, I gotta tell I, I gotta tell you something. You you um, when I talked to Karina, I said, you know, you met him. You know, what, what uh, you know, what uh, what kind of observations you know you know have have you formed on this this gentleman? And uh, you know, 
I'm just going to, I'm going to say the three things that I remember from our conversation that she shared with me that I, 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 she just reinforced pretty much what I already knew. Um, you know, you are a quiet, calm and humble professional. And, and I thank you very, very much for what you've done. I mean, I, I added up all your missions you've done, you know, to support our nation's combat wounded. And, and you did, used to do an event that, uh, you know, the, the Shell Beach event, you did that for three years. You, you've got 20 missions under your belt. On average, that's five heroes per event. That's 100 Purple Heart recipients that you've, you right. know, directly impact lives that you've directly impacted people that you, you know, uh, American heroes who you've helped and who your family and your community have helped. And, um, that's powerful stuff, man. It really is. And, and I always want to tell you, uh, and, and your extended friends and family members, how proud I am of you and your leadership, how proud I am of you and, and their support. Cause these things don't just happen. You know, you're not getting paid to do this. You're a hundred percent volunteer, a hundred percent of the people that are supporting what you do are volunteering to support, you know, this action and that being, you know, helping our combat wounded heal through the power of the great outdoors and, and the honor, connect and heal peace. Um, and I just I want to say thank you uh, publicly for that. And I also want to ask you a question about that. Absolutely. Uh, yes, sir. Absolutely. No, I know it. I know. I know how you feel about it. And and I feel the same way. And it, it just it, man, that, that 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 hits me right in the heart. And I appreciate it. Um, but let me ask you something. Um, why do you do it? Well, <clears throat> you know, my family, my father obviously was a military. He's retired Army 21 years. He spent over three years in World War II without coming home, all the way from North Africa into France, all the way up France into Germany, the whole war. Uh, if you traced Audie Murphy's footsteps, that's where my father was. They were in the same division, the 3rd Infantry Division, with Patton and mm. part of that. And uh, so when I grew up, obviously my daddy, all my uncles, cousins were all either World War II vets, Korean War vets. You know? And so that's who we were. You know, my first memory as a child at Fort, at Fort Riley, Kansas about nine years old, was watching my father in the 1st Infantry Division load up and heading off to Vietnam. And uh, his best friend, the 1st Sergeant of the unit, three days after they got there, was killed. His wife and my mom were best friends, and us and his kids were best friends, and him and my daddy were best friends. So that was my first experience with somebody dying in in a war, you know, as a kid. Mm. And, of course, you know, that sticks with you. You know, when you grow up. And then, right. you know, when my dad went to Vietnam, he came back. He retired after Vietnam. You know, you saw it was just like there was, you know, my dad comes home from the Army. He takes off his uniform, puts on his civilian clothes, and that's the end of his military, you know. And there was no parades of, you know, people meeting mm-hmm. and greeting and helping do anything. You know, it was kind of a lonely time, I think, for him, you know. And so... uh you know, we just, we all down here, especially in the South, we, we love our veterans, we honor our veterans, you know. And, and I was at a point in my life, I was working for the Navy at this time. All the kids were gone. It was just me and my wife in the house. And we're like, you know what, we need to do something. We need to do something for veterans. You know, I want to do something for warriors. And I got to looking around 
in looking through some of the different organizations, and I came across the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation, which talked about Purple Heart recipients. And hunting and fishing, to me, what greater combination is it? You know. And when I was a, a little boy, I guess I was about nine years old, my father grew up in Gulfport, Mississippi, and on that property, they had an old store there. And they ended up shutting it down when his brother died. And so they had all these boxes and junk. They used it as storage. And I was in there. I always rooted through there because to me it was a lot of treasures you know, digging through stuff. And I found a, Darn right. I found a little box <clears throat> that had a purple heart in it. And I didn't know what it was. You know, I just I looked at it and it was in an old box. And I turned it over and it had Kenneth F. Murphy on it. That was my uncle Kenneth. I didn't even know this at that time, really. He was my daddy's 19-year-old brother who got killed at the Gothic Line in uh, October 44 in Italy. And uh, so um, that was his Purple Heart. And my brother, my older brother, Ken, Kenneth F. Murphy, is named after But, of course, as a kid, I didn't even really understand this. But I took that Purple Heart, and I still got it to this day in the original mm -hmm. box. And every time we have an event, I'll set it out on the counter with this picture, you know, so people can see that. And these guys, you know, as uh, much as they sacrificed, it's basically a reminder that, you know, like we always say, you know, uh, some gave all and all gave some, you know. Uh, he gave all, you know. Uh, and I hope that it helps them to look at their life. Well, you know what? I, I might have had a bad deal, but I survived and I'm here. And, uh, you know, guys like this didn't make it, you know. So the Purple Heart thing just kind of became a special thing to me. And uh, so uh, I can't think of a better group of people to be associated with than any military people, period. Law enforcement, first responders, that's my hero. I don't care anything about sports heroes. You know, uh, it's, it's about these guys who are willing to go off and die for their country. And to me, anybody who joins the military, knowing they can go overseas and could get wounded or killed is a hero. But the ones who shed blood on foreign soil, to me, they are special. You know, and, and they deserve to be recognized and honored. And that's the way, you know, I, not just me, but my whole family, all my people down here look at things. And that's why the community loves these events and so many people want to help you know you can only do so much that you know i got a lot of help but everybody loves these guys you know when you talk about hey i got some purple heart guys coming over everybody's like hey i'd like to come meet them you know i want to hang out and so they you know they deserve that honor and they deserve that respect you know? so, yeah. well that's great man that's a great story i i really appreciate you sharing that with us that that that's that's a meaningful that's a meaningful stuff right there, and and you're right. I mean, you just touched on everything that uh, that I feel inside uh, to this day. You know, even 17 years after uh, you know having r rolled out the first event that we ever did, um, you know that that feeling never that you just described never has never left me. You know, it's still very much uh, inside of me and, and, and very much motivates me because I, I feel like, like you do, like, Hey, 
I mean, these these are great Americans. They they went off and and they they rose their they, they rose their right hand. Mm -hmm. They swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States and and the orders of, you know, the officers appointed over them. And 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 you know, t tomorrow was not guaranteed. And and you know, they 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 put on that uniform and they went off to a foreign land, and um and they did their job. And some of them came home and some of them did not come home. That's right. And 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 some of the ones that came home never going to be the That's same, true. you know, physically, you know, emotionally, mentally, and and all that. And so you know, we here in America, uh, a certain you know, a small you know segment of the country uh, of the population, guys like me and you and and thousands of others out there, who have come together and said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna find a way to recognize and honor. Uh, those that went off and did that. Mm -hmm. And and we're going to do it in a way that we're comfortable with, and we're going to do it in a way that we like and enjoy, and we're going to open our homes and our hearts and, and our waterways and our land, and, and we're just going to show you uh, how much we appreciate what you did. Yeah. You know, And we're not going to ask for anything. Right. We're not asking for anything. I mean, this is our we're, – we're serving you. We're going to do that the best we can. We're going to do that to a high standard. And uh, this is our this is our expression of of how much we we think about what you did, right? right? And that's that exactly it? right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and boy, I'll tell you what the satisfaction that that brings inside of you. Yeah, if that'll make you, if that if that'll make you feel alive, then then you need to find another thing to do. Not lie, because it, it's an amazing feeling, very gratifying feeling to do anything. It is. And it's an honor. It, certainly it really is. is a huge honor to say I'm associated with, with these people. You know, I agree with that 100. percent You know, and and it is a small subset. You know, the other day I was at a I was I was asked to to speak at a in a thing and and I uh, I did and I said you know okay hey you know I want to recognize all veterans you know so if you're if you ever donned our our nation's you know uniform please you know stand up and be recognized and let let's just say that ten ten people did and there was probably you know hundred people there and uh, you know so ten people stand up and it was a little older community than than typically what I'm um, used to speaking in front of it was a kind of a retirement community so it made sense and uh and i said okay uh please uh, remain standing if any of you've ever you know if any of you were wounded in combat and received the you know the purple heart and and uh you know four guys st stayed standing and the rest sat down and and so you know here we are 100 people you know 10 of which served four of which and that's a high number mm -hmm. four out of 10 veterans yeah. Having received, you know, in that crowd, because it's usually, it's, it, there's usually none. Right. I've been, I've been, I've been in front of, you know, spoke to, you know, two, three hundred people in a crowd and asked the same question, you know, and, you know, those, our events attract our fundraisers and, and community dinners and this kind of thing attract veterans. And sometimes they're even done, you know, at veteran service organizations, you know, uh, the, the VFW is the American Legion. So they're, they're going to be, there's going to be a higher percentage of veterans, you know, per capita in that event than running around, you know, in the Walmart, I can tell you that. But, you know, it's a small segment of our society. It's even a much smaller segment that actually gets wounded. So um, I 
think and feel in my heart that uh, that 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 they're you know certainly you know deserving of it and 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 uh, you know when you get a community like you have behind you with great people that you know you know uh, love and trust you know feeling the same way some you know some pretty amazing things can happen and and hey i mean you live in a very you know you live in a very unique part of the country and you're you're also sharing this is what's cool about this and you you probably i don't know if you've thought about it but i certainly i spent a lot of time thinking about it but you know sharing the the great things that that go on in your community the the culture the rich culture um that's there and and when you when you look at that and compare it to say the culture in northern wisconsin where 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 my camp is you know the uh, they're just e- they're they're equally magnificent, but they're also dramatically right, different. Absolutely. And it's so cool to share, you know, uh, you know, as we continue to serve this population, they get, you know, we try to reserve them, you know, these guys and gals every couple of years, you know. Um, but uh, you know, for them to get a chance to go up to northern Wisconsin as an example, you know, and then head down to you know to the Gulf and and spend time, you know, in, you know, in Bay St. Louis and in, in your stomping grounds or, or whether that's Arkansas or, you know, North Carolina, wherever we have an event, you know, they're, these heroes are getting an opportunity. They're, 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 they're getting an opportunity to explore and experience all these wonderful, rich cult, cultural activities and, and, and communities and wonderful people who are all volunteering. And you know what? That's got to feel pretty darn good when you come back from, a, you know, and that didn't right. happen, as you know, yeah. in Vietnam. Yeah. You watch yeah. your daddy come back, that that didn't no, happen. Nothing. Just nothing. Nothing. Zero. Take off your uniform, Just put, put, put do, and, 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 and drive yeah. on. And like it didn't happen. Yeah. Like just, just, just pretend like it didn't happen. You know, and that, I've always said that was sinful. You know, that was sinful. And I said to myself, in, in, you know, when I was going to college at the University of Wisconsin, before I was even commissioned, I said, I'm going to do something. I don't know what it was. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I said, I'm going to do something about that. I'm not just going to serve our country. You know, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that as as good as I can, but I'm going to do something, you know, that that helps turn that ship a little bit and, and, and right some of the ill, you know, some of the wrongs that were, you know, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. It was a different time. But, right, but, right, But, right. you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying. And, so, you know, anyway. Um, it's like down here, like my father. When I turned 18, he told me, it's time for you to leave home, boy. You know, so. Yeah. He signed me up in the Army, and he told me, I said, look, you know, it looks like, you know, Vietnam may be starting back up. You may have to go. He said, you got to go do your duty. And this is mm-hmm. the guy I spent almost five years of his life in war. Wow. <laughs> you know, and he's telling his kids, you need to, you know, you need, you need to do your duty. You know, that's... Yeah, where that's, is that today? Where is that today? But that's why we're such a great Dang nation. Dang right that is. That's what made us the nation that we are, is that mindset. Yeah, sir. You know? it and is. it's... It is. You gotta wonder now, is it still out there? I mean, we definitely got great guys. You know, I've seen them all over in the military. I've seen them in Iraq. You know, every Kosovo, there's some great guys that are willing to step up, you know, mm-hmm. people who, you know, men and women who want to get out there and do this stuff and do these things. But as a culture, are we lacking, you know, are we falling behind? That's what we got to 
figure out as a nation. I agree with that, but dude, I'll tell you what, man. That's why guy. That's why guys like you and me and 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 all these other wonderful people out there that are helping you know this mission move forward. That's where we got. That's where we come in. This is our. This is you know. This is this is our. This is our you know line to toe, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, somebody got past that. Got Somebody's got past that torch. Yeah, exactly. And show them, show show them, show them what right looks like. Right. That's what I think. And I think every and, little and I, bit that we do, all these little events, you know, all the people who get involved, it does perpetuate, you know, and, and people see that in the community and it grows. And that we've got a number of organizations down here doing warrior fishing events and hunting mm-hmm. stuff, you know. So it, it just shows that if you do things like that, other, other people are going to do it too. It will grow. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. And and that's good. That's all good. You know, that's a Anyway, well, listen, uh I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the last word here, my friend. Um uh and and give you a chance to uh, you know, if I if you have any saved rounds in you know, in in your magazine, you should you should you should you, 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 here's your opportunity to expend them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you know, the one thing I would like to do is just thank all my my crew and my family, my friends, there's so many people that's involved in this, it's hard to pin some down. But, uh, you know, of course, my wife, you know, couldn't do it if she didn't support me, you know, and she likes to get involved in this and cook and do stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, my, my good buddy, Terry Taylor, who's my right-hand guy, an awesome guy, uh, 30 years police officer in Alameda, California. He, Spent time in Iraq with the 10th Mountain Division contract. My Uncle Dave, who's a, a Vietnam a combat controller, who's been there and done that. And the, the Warriors just absolutely love being around Uncle Dave. He's got more stories than you can imagine. He's, his knowledge, <laughs> you know. But I've got so many people, you know, my buddy Josh Gibson and Lee Robinson, who do the hog hunts, who make the main hog guides, you know, and Mr. Ronnie. Monica A. Macker, they do the dog hunt for the Warriors. and uh, I got even Joe Liddell now helping me out down here. Mm-hmm. Great American. You know, I got like my nephew, Ben, he's a, a Marine vet, a uh, combat vet. He helps out with the Warriors. I, there's just so many of them. You know, my brother Ray and his sons Daniel Raleigh with Daniel with Dan B's restaurant. You know, they help out a lot. And it, it, Oh, and I want to mention Captain Raymond Smith at Saltgrass Lodge. <clears throat> Him and uh, Chief, who's a guide, Ike, son of guide. If you've never done any red fishing and you want to go to the Louisiana Marsh down in Beerus, Louisiana, look up the Saltgrass Lodge. That is an amazing time. Just mm-hmm. I've seen the pictures. Yeah, they, 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 those guys are top notch, yeah. man. That's a beautiful facility, and too. If you never fished the Louisiana Marsh or the Mississippi Gulf Coast, if you ever get a chance to come down here, it's just an incredible place. You know, uh, there's so much to do down here, so much water to fish. And, uh, you know, we, we do everything we hog hunt, we gator hunt, we fish, we do, you know, you name it. It's, and I, I, I'm literally two blocks from the beach. I can launch my boat in five minutes, you know, and and I I tell my warriors all the time, you know, you're welcome to come back anytime. All you got to do is call me and say, hey, I want to go fishing. You know, and and 
That's awesome. More than welcome to accommodate them. You know. So we love our vets down here. We love our warriors. We love doing these events. The community loves doing it. And we just, you know, just, everybody looks forward to it every year, you know, of getting back into it and getting involved. So uh, it's just a wonderful time. And then, believe me, it is our honor to do this. It's, we love doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you're doing it great, buddy. You really are. And, and we're, we're, we're very proud of you. And, and uh, my hat's off to you. And, and so all the heroes that we serve are, uh, you know, big salute in your direction. We certainly appreciate your service to our country and your family service to our country and your community's continued service to our country by helping these great American combat wounded Purple Heart recipients out. And it's uh, it's been an honor to have you on the program. You did a great job today. I appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. And we appreciate all that you continue to do. And we wish you and your family and your community continued prosperity and um and good health and thank you very very much for uh, your time today this is a great show My pleasure, Jim. And, yes sir and you uh you have a, a a blessed day the rest of uh the rest of what's left of it there okay well god bless america and our troops yes sir god bless america Th- thanks rock we appreciate thank you. you sir appreciate you all right bye-bye all right bye-bye To learn more about the mission of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation and how you can get involved, please visit our website at www.iaf.org or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the WWIA podcast and for helping us honor, connect, and heal our combat-wounded Purple Heart heroes through the power of the great outdoors. If you like what you're listening to here and would like to join our team in our mission to bring healing power and recovery to America's Purple Heart heroes, please become part of our Sponsor a Hero team by clicking on the link in the podcast notes or by going to wwiaf.org forward slash sponsor. That's wwiaf.org forward slash sponsor. Our heroes need you now more than ever. Thank you.